0: Brian Ministries International presents Todd Talks, featuring Todd Edwards. Amen. Karen, you spoke the warrior priest to me a few weeks ago, and it came back again this morning. And it's part of what is what was the message that that I'm going to share at the advance. So thank you. You're welcome, Todd. That's absolutely wonderful. Uh, A a couple thoughts before we more thoughts before we get into Isaiah 60. Uh, So. Kendra mentioned uh, music, and everything that we approach uh, obviously should be very different, even approaching the trees. Approaching music should be different. Uh, Like, for example, how do we listen to music? And I was having this discussion with my brother, who is a a musician. He's a drummer, and he listens to music for the musicality. He listens for the drumming Hill and the rhythms, he, to the point where he does not listen to the lyrics. So he's focused on the music, in particular the drums. And then other people in society, will they listen to music on how it feels, which is often how the enemy can come right in because they're not having discernment in the music. And what we need to do as, as a priesthood is listen for the spiritual advances and portals so i almost don't yes i listen to the lyrics of of uh worship or i listen to the music but i'm actually listening for the portals and the breakthroughs that's what i'm hearing on the frequencies all of a sudden there's a frequency change Uh, so some something to think about as you're in worship you're in praise uh listen and tune yourself into the 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 journey of the holy spirit and where uh he's taking you wherever it may be and look listen for those breakthroughs that that i think uh was real impactful for my brother to hear wow you listen to music that way okay that makes sense then why you listen to that kind of music Uh, another thought in general um had a couple conversations regarding this this has been on on my heart the last two weeks as well talking about, and I'm glad Kendra brought up, glory and then also the brokenness, that we ministered the brokenness and the glory. If we are to get revelation on who we are in the spirit, and we then want to have that made manifest on the earth in the same equivalency, it's going to be frustrating because the more revelation you get of who you are in the spirit, it doesn't exactly align in a one-to-one equation to how you are being made manifest onto the earth. I think about the, the parable of the talents and Jesus said, well, here, I give you five talents and then that person made five more. So then because of that, you get to rule over 10 cities. You have two talents, you made two more. Because of that, you get to rule over four cities. What kind of equation is that where you do like four good things right, and then all of a sudden you rule over four cities? What's the exponential multiplier? It doesn't make sense. So if we work now backwards, and you start to have vision of who you are in the spirit, and then you get frustrated because it's not that is not fully made manifest on the earth. We can't do that because it's not in alignment. That's not how God wants to align us yet. And we're going to see this in Isaiah 60, that it will happen, but not yet. What we need to do is focus on our assignment, because the assignment piece is what is going to lead to that talent being multiplied so that you can rule over the cities to come. So I've been really wrestling with that because I'm getting so much revelation on uh, the millennial kingdom and Zion and the things coming ahead. And I'm seeing myself and I'm seeing others. I'm like, ah, now this doesn't make sense. Now This is also why I feel so confined on the earth. And if I dwell on that, I'm going to get frustrated. And that's not the place that we're supposed to be because clearly frustration does not come from God. So focus on the assignment so i was i was thinking about um that a little bit um drawing near face to face has been a lot on my mind um, lately as well so let's jump ahead to isaiah 60. all of what we've been reading in the chapters ahead have come to now the manifestation of what's happening in isaiah 60 plus And Isaiah will go in and out like we've shared. He goes high, he goes low, he goes high, he goes low. But Isaiah 60 is a high one. And for those of you that read ahead, I do want to ask this in the chat. I'll read verse one, and then I want to ask a question. And please answer it in the chat. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of Yahweh has risen upon you. Who's this about? Who's this verse about? And then we'll see that the whole chapter's about. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of Yahweh has risen upon you um i think we got sunil saying the daughter of zion we got um jennifer us and yeshua peter zion anybody else in the chat gene zion candace mount zion yes and yes um me yes and yes. (laughs) yes this is about layers so if we jump ahead to Isaiah 60 verse 14 The sons also of them that afflicted you shall come bending to you and they shall and they that despise you shall bow themselves down at the soles of your feet and they shall call you the city of Zion The Zion of the Holy One of Israel. So let's jump ahead all the way to Revelation. Just to put in context in who who is this who? So I think that really says Zion. But now let's go to Revelation twenty one. Verse 9, and there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, come here, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, notice it's holy Jerusalem, not just Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of Yahuwah, and her light was like a stone, the most precious, even a jasper stone, clear as crystal. So now we have Zion as the bride. Wait a minute, I thought we were the bride. Yes. Because collectively, we are Zion. Zion is an entity of which we are. So the yes and yes is yes, it is us, in the sense of yes, it is us, Zion in us. And we're going to see this going throughout the whole chapter, and this is all part of our are building. So keep that in mind. Um, I also want you guys to think about timing. So Zion and its glory, when is this chapter taking place? Think about that in reference to all of these end time events. So just kind of big end time events. I'm not going to get into the details. It's kind of big end time events. How does this fit in? So we have the tribulation, the years of the tribulation. We have Yeshua's return, clearly spelled out in Zechariah 12, 13, and 14 with some details of great of, of, of great importance. We also have a millennial era. We also have a gathering or a regathering of Israel back into the land. We have Satan, the false prophet, being thrown, well, the false prophet um, being thrown into the lake of fire. We have Satan being chained for a thousand years. We have also a new heaven and earth at some point in time, or maybe is there multiple times? I don't know. And then we have Peter referenced the eighth um, poet in his group. So we then have that transition past the millennial era to an eighth era. So where does all of this fit in? And then the last thing, where does the marriage supper of the Lamb fit in? Does it happen when he returns? Does it happen in the millennial kingdom? Does it happen after? Keep all of these things in mind because I I, I think uh, I'll – Well, I I don't think. I know a lot of the books that we have read and a lot of the things that have been taught to us are not right, and we need to piece all that out. And I'm not saying that I'm right either, but I want you guys to ask the Holy Spirit questions about this, because I think it'll start to kind of come together when we see consistencies with the word. So keep that in mind. God's plan all along was to make a city without hands. Now, the city without hands is like an altar made with living stones, not carved stones with hands. And clearly we are the living stones. So the city made without hand is us, which is Zion. Cain, and we talked about cities um, on earth. Cain built the first city. Clearly of man. Nimrod built the city. The city was actually to be within the kingdom of priests. In fact, when we go to Revelation, it says that who will reign with him are the priests. And the priests are the ones that go face to face. Um, The meeting place or the city was over the ark. So when Israel camped, it really wasn't a city, but it was a city. It was a city made without hands. It didn't look like a city, but it was a city on earth. His presence was there. His people were there. They were living stones. It was supposed to then physically be birthed into the earth. I'm doing a recap on, on some things just to kind of get us all set for Isaiah 60. It was supposed to be physically birthed into a city on the earth, Jerusalem, but it didn't. And then Jerusalem was supposed to multiply God's presence throughout the earth, and that didn't happen. So Zion was left barren. So God's plan all along is to have Zion in heaven with the weight and the honor and the glory be made manifest through people. That's always been the plan. Then how did that happen on earth? And I think this really ties well to Dan's concept of sheep nations or a city. These are sheep cities of Zion because it's the sheep that bring Zion. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Verse 22, Hebrews 12, 22. But you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. It's the occupants of the city that make the city. Good leaders will say the critical asset in any business or organization is its people. The same thing here with God. Zion is the people. First Peter, chapter two. Verse six. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, And he that believes on him shall not be confounded. So Yeshua is a stone of the city. Just as we are stones of the city. So when I asked, who is this chapter about? Yes, it's Zion. And then a couple of you said, us or me. And yes, it is us or me as well. So it's yes and yes. So important to understand because when we go diving into Isaiah sixty, unless we understand the who, it may not make sense. Uh, Revelation twenty one, <clears throat> verse two. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from Yahuwah out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We already read read verse 10, so that kind of goes hand in hand. Verse 3 now, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of Yahuwah is with mankind, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their Elohim. This also is referencing to Israel from Hosea that we've read, where Hosea had to play out, you are not my people, I am not your God, and then you will be his people, and he will be your God. This is a definite reference to Israel. So you got Israel being the people that are the city of God. So all of this needs to be kind of just thought through as we go in. So let's go. <clears throat> Back to Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of Yahuwah has risen upon you. Now, the first thing that comes to mind is for me, we've talked about all this with priesthood, Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. And it is the priestly blessing. It sounds similar, it's like the same kind of language. Numbers chapter 6, verse 2. And Yahweh spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, saying, on this, on this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, Yahweh bless you, Yahweh keep you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Very similar language. Arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of Yahweh has risen upon you. So this is very similar to the priestly blessing. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, also similar language. And I think Paul is tapping into this kind of priestly blessing upon his people and upon Zion. Ephesians chapter 5. And just a couple of verses in Ephesians chapter five, because like the whole chapter is like this. Uh, Verse two, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us, an offering a sacrifice to Yahuwah for a sweet-smelling Savior. Verse six, let no man deceive you in vain words, for because of these things comes the wrath of Yahuwah upon the children of disobedience. This ties back to the last verse in Isaiah 59 17, where he comes in, in vengeance in garments of vengeance. Uh, ver, Ephesians 5 verse 8 uh, For you were sometimes in darkness, but now are all but now are you light in Yahuwah, walk as children of light. So arise light. So he's having all these kind of same language in verse 13 and 14 of Ephesians 5. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For so does it make, make manifest is light. Wherefore, he says, and Paul is quoting and referencing Isaiah 60, verse 1, Awake you that sleeps and arise from the dead, and Messiah shall give you light. So this is all kind of referencing Isaiah 60, verse 1. Verse 2. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But Yahuwah shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. Darkness covering the earth. What does that reference? To me, that gets me back to Genesis 1-2. Which means a major transition is about to happen in the heavens and the earth. Darkness covered the earth and the spirit of Yah hovered over the waters. I mean, there's just, Darkness over the earth. And Isaiah 60 verse 2 is referencing the same thing, which means there's about to be his voice spoken and light is about to come. That's how significant this chapter is, is it's like Genesis 1. Darkness, God speaks light. This is not just like a little bit more light than what we have. The sun's going to be a little bit more brighter. We're going to be a little bit more righteous. No, this is like Genesis 1 that's about to happen. And that's why he uses this language. It's very intense. I mean, Selah, meditate on that. The earth was void and everything came forth in six days. This whole process of us being made manifest to who we are is in the same equivalence of that darkness going to light. That's why Isaiah is using this language. So it goes back to what I was saying about, I see what this looks like and it's not happening now. The equation does not make sense in my mind. So don't get frustrated. God is producing this and it will blow forth as quickly as He said, Let there be light. I want to pick on a word, but Yahuwah shall arise upon you. Uh, the word arise is Strong's Hebrews 22 24. <clears throat> Zal rah and it means what I was just referring to, shoot forth beams, rise as the sun. It is as if when God says, okay, Zion, arise, boom, light covers the earth, and that light since we, since we defined who Zion is, is through us. It's totally in sync with Dan's message on living stones. He blasts his light through us. We're like refractals going out through the earth, shooting beams. That's what the word says. We can see it even more. Um, first mentioned first mention. Uh, I think this is Genesis Genesis 30? 30. Genesis 32? Yes, Genesis 32. Here's the word first, the first mention of that word. Genesis 32, and I'm going to read a, a section of this because this sums it up. Genesis 32, verse 24. So this is Jacob. Now, this is natural man Jacob. He has not become spiritual man Israel yet. So natural man Jacob, 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man. We know it's Yeshua. Until the breaking of the day, or the morning, surprise, surprise, (laughs) shooting forth beams of light. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joints. and he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. This is all kind of language of the morning glory the son of the morning, and he said, I will not let you go except you bless me, and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, and he said, your name shall no more uh, be called Jacob, but Israel, for a prince have you power with Elohim and with men and have prevailed. It's basically dominion, heaven, earth, and Jacob asked and said, tell me, I pray your name, And he said, wherefore is it that you asked after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen Elohim face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Peniel. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. So this first mention of reference of Yahweh rising upon Zion, rising upon us, is face to face and his glory breaking out and passing from Jacob, the natural man, to Israel, the spiritual man. It is us pass- passing from the manifestation of who we are right now on the earth to manifesting truly who we are in the spirit. Same reference. And that's why Isaiah uses that word of rising up and peniel meaning face to face with Elohim. So imagine his glory coming upon us in that manner. Isaiah 60, verse 3. <clears throat> and the nations, Gentiles. We did a whole study. Gentiles means nations. That's all it means. Nations and nations. And nations shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. I, I asked uh, to think about the timing of all of this. Uh, Revelation 21. think about this. We are connecting Isaiah 60 with not only Revelation, but it's like the last chapters in Revelation. So that's why we have to think about timing. Revelation 21, verse 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. What's the light of it? It's the light of Zion that God is shining through. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, uh, at all by day, for there shall be no nights there. So we have, back to Isaiah 63, and the nations shall come to your light. There is no night there. And the kings to your brightness of your rising. This is in reference to Revelation 21:24, or 21:24 is in reference to Isaiah 60, verse three. So we got timing equivalency now going on. Verse 4 Lift up your eyes round about and see all they that gather themselves together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Now, who are the sons and daughters? Because we've defined Zion, we have to think layers. It is not only people, it is also cities. It is nations. Layers. As God's building a house, we're individually houses. We're collectively houses. The body of Messiah is a collective house. Nations are houses. It's layer upon layer. So when sons and daughters are coming to Zion slash us, we have individuals, the lost, the believers. We have cities and we have nations. So you can see now the magnitude of imagine earth, God speaking light into us. Nations now come. This is a really big deal. Isaiah 60, the whole book of, I, I, I think I started off by saying Isaiah 49 to 66, it's like, it's all about Zion. And then I kind of expanded out and said, well, this chapter's. Also, before 49 is about Zion, so is this chapter, and so is this chapter. I think the whole book of Isaiah is is about Zion, because Isaiah is also quoting himself many times. So here, Isaiah is quoting himself, and this is the first chapter we started in, Isaiah 49. Now, this makes even more sense of everything that we've gone through and what we're reading in Isaiah 60. Isaiah 49, listen to this language now. It makes even more sense, starting in verse 18. Isaiah 49 Verse 18, lift up your eyes round about, speaking to Zion. Because remember, Zion's call and cry out in 14 is, what about me? So now here's the answer. Here's the response of Yah to Zion. Lift up your eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together and come to you. So this happens now in Isaiah 60, verse 4. I'll keep going in verse 49, verse 18. As I live, says Yahuwah, you shall surely clothe you with them all as uh, as with an ornament and bind them on you as a bride. Wow, that pulls a lot together. Because now you have people that are coming to Zion. They are like ornaments. They are like living stones. They are like an emerald, a jasper, a carbuncle, a diamond. All of these living stones is an ornament, and Zion collectively is the bride that we see in Revelation 21. Keep going, verse 19. For your waste and your desolate places, and we've been talking about the waste cities, and we're going to get a lot into that in Isaiah 61 and 62, the waste cities and the desolate places. These are the things that were supposed to happen on the earth that did not happen on the earth. Warrior priests, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Isaiah 59, 17, he comes with garments of vengeance. The helmet of salvation means he's the commander of the host. He is coming back with a vengeance and zeal for recompense. Regarding the waste cities and the desolate places, and the land of your destruction, this was supposed to be Zion's earth, shall now be too narrow by reason of its inhabitants, and they that swallowed you up shall be far away. The children which you shall have after, because remember, Zion was barren. Now children are taking place. But so 40, Isaiah 49, verse 20. Shall say again in your ears, The place is too narrow for us. Give place to me that I may dwell in. Then you shall say in your heart, Zion's heart, Who has begotten me these? Seeing I have lost my children and am desolate, a captive and removing to and fro. And who brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. These. Where had they been? That says, Yahuwah Elohim. Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring your sons in their arms, and their daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. There's the sons and daughters. And this is the vision. He is going to lift up a standard. He's going to wave a banner And he's going to draw the sons and daughters, the individuals and the nations, unto Zion. So I shared this with you months ago about it's time to loose the angels of victory. And the first thing that I see with the angels of victory is they're waving banners of Yahuwah Nisi, Yahuwah the victorious. And then there is trumpets blasting and the priests are shouting and singing and dancing. That's what this is. He sets up a standard in the heaven to bring in the sons and daughters. And that's exactly what we've been dealing with here in this whole study is we are proclaiming the voice in the heart of Zion for its sons and daughters to be gathered to them as ornaments like a bride. So that's Isaiah 49. Um, Back to Isaiah 60 verse 4. This word nurse, it's it's a it doesn't quite sound right to us. Uh, so of course we need to look at what Isaiah 64, 60, verse 4 is saying about nurse. It is the Strong's Hebrew word, 539, which is amon, ah, which means believe. And Isaiah is continually using first mentions throughout this, this book. So let's go to the first mention of this. It is Genesis fifteen. Eliani, why? Why is that funny? What's going on over there? Is, is this really, really? Am I going too fast? No, you like mentioning Genesis. I do like mentioning Genesis because it's the beginning. Genesis fifteen. Our son, Andrew, always jokes, Dad, you're always messing in Genesis in a Bible study, no matter what you do. That is true, because it always goes back to Genesis. Genesis 15.6. First mention of the word, nursed, what's translated Isaiah 60, verse 4, nursed, it's Genesis 15.6. And he nursed in Yahweh. No, he believed And he counted it to him for righteousness. So what's happening is it's speaking about the daughters who believe and they have been accounted for righteousness. That's what Isaiah is saying. And our translators totally messed it up and say, nursed. Why nursed? It's like the only place in all of scripture that that word is translated nursed. That makes no sense. It means believe. And account for righteousness. And believe in what? Not only believe in Yeshua, but his plan of Zion. Because they're being gathered to Zion. So that means you have belief that Yeshua is the cornerstone of Zion. And you believe that Zion is the glory, the holy city of our God. All of that belief. Isaiah 60 verse 5. Then you shall see and flow together, you, meaning Zion, Zion slash us, Zion, you shall see and flow together, because we're going to be flowing together in us, in Zion, and your heart shall fear and be enlarged, because of the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto you, the strength or the wealth of the nations shall come to you. So here we have riches. I want to pause here a little bit about the riches because we're about to get into a whole bunch of riches that are going to come unto Zion and come unto us. Again, layers. God is manifesting Zion through us collectively to the point that we will actually manifest the fullness of Zion at a time in the future. Which means. The wealth of the nations and the nations themselves will come to us because of the light of Yeshua. That's why I made such a big emphasis, and I think Isaiah makes such a big emphasis. So, this is like Genesis 1 when he spoke light. This is just a crazy, wild, never before event that's about to occur. So, the riches of the nations, this compares to what we referenced regarding Solomon. So I'm not going to go back to Deuteronomy 17, but Deuteronomy 17 was a warning to Israel saying, do not have a king that gathers riches to himself. It also says, do not have a king that has multiple uh, multiple wives either. But it says, do not have a king that gathers riches to himself. So let's take a look back at Solomon. First Kings chapter four. So Solomon is just kind of growing, growing, growing in his 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 rulership. He's young in this at, at the time of first Kings chapter four. Verse 21. First Kings four twenty one. And Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river unto the land of the Philistines, unto the border of Egypt. They brought presents. They brought presents. Sounds really similar to what we're reading here in Isaiah 60. And served Solomon all the days of his life. And Solomon's provision for one year was 30 measures of fine flour, uh, 60 measures of meal, 10 fat oxen, 21 oxen out of pastures, 100 sheep, and da-da-da-da-da, it keeps going. Now, notice the process. These nations are bringing it to Solomon. And what they're bringing is the wealth of the land. The land is prospering. You got sheep, and you got wheat, and you got meal, and you got flour, and you got um, oxen. You know, all, all the wealth of the land. But when we fast forward to First Kings chapter 10... Solomon's gone off the rails uh, a little bit here. And all of a sudden, 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 14, now the weight of the gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold, 666. Besides the merchantmen, the traffic of the spice, and we went through all of this. He gets a whole bunch of other wealth now, and a lot of the wealth is with made with hands. So, contrasting, God is going to bring, have nations bring their wealth to Zion, and it'll be the bounty of the earth. Uh, Yahweh's plan, also to another layer of this is to really return it to a state of Eden. And in Eden, the centerpiece was the tree of life. So in Isaiah 60, verse five, there's a reference to the abundance of the seed. We're going to get into the branch eventually with the tree of life, but I wanted to plant that seed in regarding back to Eden and the tree of life. So the abundance of the sea shall also be converted to you. Now we also know in bride, I guess I will go first mention again. First mention, Genesis chapter 3. Now you have me laughing. Genesis chapter 3. Again, this, the, uh, the, the ties here are actually re- really incredible. Um, Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, and this is in reference to this word of uh, shall be converted, because it just sounds weird. The sea, the abundance of the sea shall be converted. What is that? I don't understand that. Um, So shall be converted. The first mention of that is in Genesis 3, verse 24. So Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden. So this is in reference to the garden. The context is of the garden. So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden, which by the way is facing God. So in the temple of the east, facing it faces the Mount of Olives, it's facing God. That's the face. The opening to the temple was where you saw the Ark of the Covenant, which was the face. So again, this is face-to-face Penuel back to Jacob. So it all kind of ties together this language. So he drove out the man and placed him at the east of the Garden of Eden, cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way. That's the same Hebrew word of be converted. What? Yeah. To keep the way of the tree of life. So that's how I referenced back to Garden of Eden and the tree of life in Isaiah 60, verse 5, is that The abundance of the sea. So what's going on in the abundance of sea? We know the dead are in the sea. There's dead in the sea. That's in Revelation. Revelation 20, verse 13. That part of what's happening with the dead in the sea is God has set up cherubim to block them, those that have rejected him, from having access to the tree of life. This is so cool. What God's saying here is the tree of life is going to be in the midst of Zion as the chief cornerstone. Yeshua himself, the tree of life. And the reference is when I put a blockade of cherubim there at the garden, I am now going to open that up because Zion's gates will be open so that people who believe can come out of the dead, out of the sea, and come and participate with the tree of life again. Back to Genesis 1. The garden, the tree in the midst. He's going to do such a glorious thing on the earth that he himself will be planted in Zion as as the tree of life, Yeshua Mashiach, as the branch, that he's going to open his access to him up again, that the dead will be converted or the dead will be able to come forward and participate of the tree of life if if they choose. Genesis 1, the light bursts forth. Genesis 1, the tree of life in the garden in Zion. That's the language that Isaiah is using in verse, in chapter 60. So I also want to reference something else. Since we bring up the dead and the forces and tree, stars and sand. This, kind, this comes to mind as I'm thinking through this. Uh, Genesis 15. Stars and sand. Wait a minute. I mean, if you're thinking, wait a minute. Unbelievers are in the sea. There are unbelievers in the sea that are dead. And they can be brought forth and have access to the tree of the life if they so choose. Then about believers, you got believers and unbelievers. What's going on here in reference to faith? Because we already referenced Genesis and Abraham believing and accounting to him for righteousness so here's the tie Genesis 15 Genesis 15 verse 5 Genesis 15:5 and he Yahuwah, brought him Abram forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, so shall your seed be. And he believed in Yahweh and counted to him for righteousness. So we have the descendants or the seed of Abraham as stars. Jump ahead, Genesis 22, verse 17. Now, Abraham gets tested over from between Genesis 15 and 22, and he kind of goes through some ups and downs in belief. I mean, he is the father of faith, and we see his faith actually being tested and wavering to a degree. So now we have Genesis 22, verse 17. I'm going to back up because I think this needs to have a little bit more context. 16. Genesis 22, 16. So this is the angel of Yahuwah talking to Abraham. By myself have I sworn, says Yahuwah, for because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, that's Abraham with Isaac, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. Yep, so he already said that. And as the sand which is upon the seashore. got seed, like water seed. And your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. So we have Abraham's seed is, stars and it's sand that's really odd why stars and sand genesis 32 this does tie back to genesis uh, isaiah 60. We'll, we'll get back to that genesis 32 this is now esau um, Jacob's confrontation with Esau let's, start, let's just do verse 12. So Genesis 32 verse 12. So Jacob is speaking to Esau, uh, Jacob is speaking to God and he's about to have his encounter with Esau after many years. In Genesis 32 verse 12 and you said, I will surely do you good, and make your seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So now Jacob, the natural man Jacob, not Israel Jacob, is referring to his seed as being sand. So what's going on with sand and stars in referencing Isaiah 60, verse 5? God, what, you just are throwing up a, a whole bunch of scriptures. Yes, it's like we're baking, we got a bowl, and we're making some cake, and we're throwing an ingredients, and I didn't tell you guys what we're making yet. <laughs> so here's here's where it all ties together. In Isaiah 60, verse 5, we have believers in Zion already. They've been accounted righteous. They've had their light. The light of God has come upon them and is reflecting through them. And then there is this group in the sea that will be given access, if they believe, to the tree of life, which in this case is the chief cornerstone of Zion. So the flaming swords of the cherubim will be removed. And we have two people groups, inside Zion and outside Zion both of which are the seed of Abraham one of which are stars and another of which are sand in the sea the dead in the sea the dead holds or the sea holds the dead which are the sand so Abraham gave birth to both seed that would believe of faith And seed that would not believe, sand. You have stars, you have sand. And part of the gathering of Zion, which is so amazing, is not only do the stars have access to Zion, but even the sand, if they believe, can be brought forth and have access to Zion, the tree of life, Yeshua, the chief cornerstone. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Abraham, your seed is going to be like the stars of heaven, Israel. Abraham, your your seed is going to be like the sand of the sea, Jacob, the spiritual man, the natural man. And I'm going to figure out how to get even the natural man, Jacob, the sand from the sea, that the sea is going to hold us dead. They're going to even come to the light of Zion. And yes, great comments in there. This sand itself has the potential to be like glass and reflect light and to have light go through it. So you got the gemstones and you got the glass and you have the sea of glass. Isaiah 60, back to Isaiah 60. Verse six. To prove what I'm sharing, this whole thought about stars and sand, look what's about to happen now in verses six and seven. And it's one of those things, that, okay, a whole bunch of names again. Uh, we get into scripture and we read names and sometimes we find, we find it interesting and sometimes it's not so interesting. It, it all depends, I guess, on how and, and we think we can pronounce it or not. So I think I can pronounce some of these names. Isaiah 60, verse six, the multitude of camels shall cover you. So Zion is going to have all these camels, both literally and also the hints, meaning all of the abundance of the transportation of the land will have be access to Zion. All of this. The dramataries of Midian and Epha, and they and all they from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense, and they shall Golden incense, by the way, takes me back to Genesis um, uh, 2 as well, with the rivers going out and what they brought forth. And they shall show forth the praises of Yahuwah. Verse 7, all the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto you. The rams of Nabiah shall minister to you. Why do we have all these names in here? And they shall come up with acceptance on my altar and I will glorify the house of my glory. So, what's up with all the names? Eliani, sorry, we're going back to Genesis. Genesis 25. We have to know this. We have to know what's going on with these names. And the only, the best place to know, the only place to know Genesis, chapter 25. Back to Genesis. Always back to Genesis. Genesis 25. Verse 1. Let's start with verse 1. Genesis 25, verse 1. Remember, Abraham, your seed's going to be like the stars, and your seed's going to be like the sand. We know the stars are Israel. Now we're going to define the sand. Genesis 25, verse 1. Then again, Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. So this is after Sarah. <clears throat> Sarah has Isaac, has Jacob, has Israel. Stars. Here we have Keturah, verse 2. And she bare him Zimran, and Jokshan, and Nedan, and Midian. Midian was referenced in Isaiah. Genesis 25, verse 4, down the line, the sons of Midian, Ephath. That's another reference to Isaiah 60, verse 6. We back up to verse 3, and Jokshan is there, begat Sheba. That's another reference. Genesis 25, verse 13. Now this is, uh, let's uh, back up to Genesis 25, verse 12. Now these are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's handmaid, bore unto Abraham. Verse 13. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael. By their names, according to the generations, the firstborn of Ishmael, Nebioth. And Kedar, they were also named in Isaiah 60. So what we have here, and back to Isaiah 60, verses 6 and 7, are references to Abraham's other seed that are the sand. The offspring of Hagar and the offspring of Keturah. And they will also be brought forth and given access to the tree of life, Yeshua, if they so choose, because of the glory that is placed in the stars of Zion, Israel. Isaiah is saying a whole bunch in all of this. And this is all the house. This is all the house. Verse eight, Isaiah 60, verse eight. This plan is so huge, enormous, enormous. It's beyond our comprehension. Isaiah 60, verse eight. Who are these that fly as a cloud and as doves to their windows? Isaiah is almost like catching himself and is amazed. I don't even understand where are these people coming from? They're coming from all over the place. I didn't even realize that they were Israel. I didn't even know that they had access to God. I didn't know that they had access to the Messiah. I mean, he's blown away of what's going on. And he's calling them as they're flying like a cloud because they're spiritual. They're like doves. They're spiritual. They're coming into Zion all over the place, from the east, from the west, from the north and the south. Verse 9. Surely. Absolutely, positively, this is going to be a fact. The islands shall wait for me. Me? The islands will wait for God. By the islands. And the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your sons, Zion, from far, their silver and their gold with them, unto the name of Yahuwah your Elohim, and unto the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. Okay, what's up with the islands? Um, This is part of the second return into the land. And you've heard me kind of weave a theme of a second exodus, and then a second wandering, and then a second return into the land. Now, keep in mind in, in the prophecies in Daniel, Uh, He had a time frame of 1,260 days. And then there was a time frame, and I'm not going to get into all the details of this, 1,335 days. There's this weird gap in between because there's a lot of activity from the time that Yeshua returns, rearranges some of the Middle East. Remember we talked about how Jerusalem is going to be pushed north 40 kilometers From one place, he's literally going to just push it through with his hand, um, to the setting up and the establishment of his people to rule and reign as priests on the earth for the millennial kingdom. Part of what's happened is that there is a second return, and the islands have been key to that whole plan. So the second return, where has this come from? Uh, Jeremiah 16. <clears throat> and by the way, that's why uh, uh, Hope has been helping push out these podcasts on Zion about Todd Talks. And one of the things that I wanted to really emphasize is this is not Zionism. Zionism has given Zion and this whole concept of bad name. Likewise, The return I'm talking about, that has not happened yet. It will be a holy return. This is totally different than what people are wrongly saying that, oh, we need to go back into the time of 1948 when people returned into the land. It has nothing to do with that. That's wrong. That's false. One of the biggest deceptions in the last days Yeah. So, uh, Jeremiah 16, verse 14. I love this passage. This is a Zion passage. Therefore, behold, uh, Jeremiah 16, 14. Therefore, behold, the days come, says Yahuwah, that it shall no more be said that Yahuwah lives that brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Because that's what they always reference. We were brought out of Egypt. 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 But Yahuwah lives that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north. means they were scattered to the north by the Assyrians and from all the lands where they've been driven. And I will bring them again into their land that I have given their fathers. Behold, I will send for many fishers, says Yahuwah. I think that's in reference. Actually, it's a lot to the stars. So the apostles were made fishers of men to go find Israel and prepare them for the return. That's why the first question to to Yahweh, when will you restore our kingdom? Then after I will send many hunters and they will hunt them from every mountain, from every hill and every of the whole of the rocks. This is trying to bring forth that last person through tribulation. For my eyes are upon all their ways and they are not hid from my face. Back to the face. Neither is their iniquity hid from my eyes. And we, last time we saw how Isaiah was beating us up on iniquity. And first I will recompense their iniquity and their sin double. There's the recompense piece because they have defiled my land back to the earth because earth is not married to Zion, which it should have been. And they have filled my inheritance with uh, their uh, carcasses of detestable and abominable things. O Yahweh, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction, the nations shall come to you from the ends of the earth. This is also what we read in Isaiah 60. The nations will come to you, Zion people, from the ends of the earth, and shall say, surely our fathers have inherited lies. This is almost like the sand awakening. Vanity and things there, there is no profit. Look at verse 21. Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know. I will cause them to know my hand and my might. It is the mighty right arm of Yeshua. And they shall know that my name is Yahuwah. That's the return. That has not happened yet. Um Islands 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 I am I don't know what this is the second time in a row I am skipping islands Isaiah 60 I don't know why Isaiah 60 Let's get at least as far as verse 13 I think verse 10 So Isaiah 60 verse 10 And the sons of strangers shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I smote you, but in my favor I've had mercy on you. He's talking about Zion. He's talking about us. Therefore, your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day nor night that people would bring to you the wealth of the nations and their kings. For the nation and kingdom that shall not serve you, you, you guys, Zion, shall perish. Yes, those nations shall be utterly wasted. I'm stop there, and then we'll get to 13 to conclude. What hit me as I was reading that even just now is think about the walls that we have built up in our hearts. Some wrongly, and many protective, for protective reasons. I and mean, especially in, in, the, in our community here uh, with pride, we have walls that are built up. And this is going to be such a radical change of living, of life on the earth that no walls will be needed. No walls in our hearts will be needed. We won't have to protect ourselves because if anyone, if any nation does not serve us, they get wiped out. So kind of reflect on our hearts and I have the same thing where I have Walls that are built up for protection's sake. And God's saying, you don't need any walls anymore. You can be totally transparent. Because if anyone comes against you, they get blown away. I mean, what a contrast. That's what happens when his glory goes through us. City is always open. Um, Zechariah, chapter fourteen. <clears throat> Back to timing a little bit too. It's kind of a timing verse. Zechariah fourteen, verse seventeen. Sounds a lot like we just read. Yeshua has shown up. He's rearranged the Middle Eastern landscape. He's poured out the spirit of supplication and weeping upon Judah, the day of atonement. Zechariah 14, 17. And it shall be that who so will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem, now this is Jerusalem, this is holy Jerusalem, this is Zion Jerusalem, not today Jerusalem, not just Jerusalem Jerusalem, it is holy, the city of God Jerusalem, to worship the king, because the king will be there. He said, and you will know my name, Yahuwah, Yahuwah saboth, even upon them shall be no rain. So there is immediate retribution taking place. So clearly Isaiah 60 is referencing the timing of the end of Zechariah 14, is referencing the timing of Revelation 21. So in our minds now, this is like the millennial kingdom. This is the way it's going to be. It sounds like the millennial era. And the reference of sequence events goes back to Isaiah 49. So Isaiah 49, starting in verse 8. Again, this is where we started. And Isaiah took us through this journey. And now he's expanding on when Isaiah, I mean, when Zion says, what about me? And and then Yahuwah answers. So Isaiah 49, verse 8. Thus says Yahuwah, in in an acceptable time, the appointed time, have I heard you, and in a day of salvation have I helped you. And I will preserve you and give you for a covenant to the people to establish the earth and to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. The earth will have an invasion, a takeover by Zion. That you may say to the prisoners, go forth. To them that are in darkness, show yourselves. This is to the entire earth. This is to the, not only the stars, because the stars now are on Zion, this is to the sand. They shall feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all high places. They shall not hunger nor thirst. Neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that has mercy on them shall lead them. Even by the springs of water shall he guide them. And I will make all my mountains away, and my highways shall be exalted. Behold, these, all the sand, all the nations that are of the sand, shall come from far, and lo, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinem. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For Yahuwah has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. So all of this is happening in these last days and he's saying this to the people and he's saying this to the heavens and he's saying this to the earth and he's not addressing Zion specifically. So then Zion says, verse 14, Yahuwah has forsaken me. My Adonai has forgotten me. Then, The whole rest of Isaiah is in response to that question. No, I have not, Zion. You are the centerpiece. You are the centerpiece of all of this action, all of the people, all of the stars, all of the sand, the heavens and the earth being rearranged, being connected. It is all for you because of you and my love for you. Let's conclude with Isaiah 60, verse 13. We got stars, now we get trees. The glory of Lebanon shall come unto you, the fir tree, the pine tree, and the box together to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. So first of all, the place of his feet glorious. Isaiah 66. Verse 1. Thus says Yahuwah, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So where is the house that you will build unto me and where is the place of my rest? This is is an incredible indication and explanation of Zion because Israel was looking for a city made without hands, for some, and then also trying to make a city. David was seeing Zion so clearly that he wanted to make it physically on the earth. Moses built after the the pattern of the heavens and and made a city, but it was a mobile city of the 12 tribes with the ark in the center. So now God is saying, who's going to make me a house? The heaven is where my throne is. The earth is my footstool. I don't need a house because they're both my house, because my house is the people. It's always been the people. And it's the people that Zion... So this now brings comes back to verse 13 and trees how is this trees isaiah 41 isaiah 41 it's just astounding at how rich the word is there's so many layers and there's so many connection points and as we dig it's just like everything connects and it becomes more and more clear I'm, I'm blown away all the time at the layers and layers and layers and layers. And we're just like scratching the surface at times. And sometimes we dwell a little bit, but the, the spiritual implication is way beyond my understanding. Isaiah 41, verse 19. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shittah tree, and the myrtle and the oil tree i will set <clears throat> excuse me i will set in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of yahweh has done this and the holy one of israel has created it so he's grouping a whole bunch of trees in this verse together now, these, verse, these trees are oil trees. They're oiled, they're sappy trees. So, I mentioned that I was in the boundary waters, which is northern Minnesota on the edge of the Canadian boundary. And it is a pristine wilderness. Very few people get access to it. You have to get a permit to go in, and then you have to canoe and hike and canoe and hike and canoe and hike, and it's exhausting. And you finally get there, and there's nobody else there. And the place that I was in, Uh, It was a peninsula kind kind of area cut off to the land by a marsh. So it was almost like an isolated little ecosystem, even within the boundary waters, that had only four types of trees there. There was the cedar tree, the balsam tree, balsam pine, a white pine, and then also a birch. That's it. That's all it had. And the cedar and the balsam and the white pine, they're all very sappy trees. They're oily trees these and even the birch is also ties in this way they're all extremely flammable they all can be converted to light instantly the bark of the birch is one of the best trees to start fire even the birch that's alive you carve out a little bit of the birch bark it's like paper it goes The rest of those trees are extremely flammable because they're very oily. They're also, because of the oil, they're very, very fragrant. Uh, I think Shannon said this about the cedar. I, I I was looking for down cedar branches so I could cut them in half and just stick them to my nose because the fragrance of the cedar is so wonderful. And the pine, if those of you that have experienced this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You go into the, the, the northern woods and you have pine everywhere and you can just, you take in the pine and it's so, so aromatic, it's, it's incredible to smell. So these trees are all oily based, they're flammable, they are instantly converted into light, they're instantly converted into energy, they're fragrant, they're beautiful. Um, Cedar and white pine are incredibly tall and incredibly old. In fact, some of the cedars that were there were three, four, five hundred years old. The white pines that were there, 200, 300 years old pines that were like a hundred feet tall. Incredibly massive trees. That's what is referenced here in Isaiah 60 verse 13. Pine and cedar are also used to build houses. We have cedar wood as shingles on our house. It it helps uh, whisk off the water, and you use it to build furniture, uh, floors. Um, there's a lot of beautiful subtleties in in the wood complex. So in that area of uh, North America, people would go to harvest the cedar for building houses. So we have this fragrant, readily uh, made wood that can go on to, to be lit up as building material for homes. the glory of Lebanon in the reference to those other trees in Isaiah 60. 1 Kings chapter 5. You'll see where I'm going with this. as we kind of pull these tree things together. 1 Kings chapter 5. And this is Solomon building verse 6. 1 Kings 5 verse 6. Now, therefore, command you that they cut down me, hew me, cedar trees out of Lebanon. The glory of Lebanon was the cedar trees, the fragrance, the size, the strength, the height, and used for building. And my servants shall be with your servants, and unto you will I give hire for your servants according to all that they shall appoint. For you know that there is not among among us that has the skill to hew timber like the Sidonians. So he takes this wood to build the temple and his house. So the glory of Lebanon is for building the house. That's the reference. It represents the substance of which the house is built from. Psalm 92. See, Isaiah just didn't throw in a whole bunch. Of tr- oh, by the way, there's a whole bunch of trees in the middle of Zion too. Uh, 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 there's more to this. Psalm 92. Verses 12 and 13. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. So palm giving shade, big leaves. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of Yahuwah shall flourish in the courts of our Elohim. So there's a reference to the cedar of Yahuwah that Solomon used to build the temple. The cedar being in the house of Yahuwah and growing. So what are we? We are temples. We are fragrant. We can actually have be lit on fire very quickly. We are the building blocks of the temple of God. So we're stars, yes, but we're also these fragrant cedar and pine trees. And this is what Isaiah is getting to. Song of Solomon. We haven't referenced Song of Solomon in a while. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter five verse 15. So this is describing, this is the the Shulamite woman, the bride, describing her lover, the bridegroom, the king, Yeshua. His legs are as pillars of marble. And listen to the language, pillars, set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance, is as Lebanon excellent as the cedars. So the bride is describing the bridegroom as the temple, pillars, sockets, cedar wood, fragrance, strong, tall, and on fire. This is all about indicating the house. Isaiah chapter 2. The one thing that I will seek after all the days of my life is to dwell in the house where he, his legs are like pillars and sockets and he's like cedar wood. To behold that beauty. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 12. 12, let's start 12. So cedars can be also negative, of course, Isaiah 2.12. For the day of of hosts, Yahuwah saboth shall be upon everyone that is proud. This is that day again that we're referencing in Isaiah 60 and on and on and on. It's all of these end times in this era. And upon everyone that is lifted up and he shall be brought low. Verse 13, and upon all the cedars of Lebanon, high and lifted up and upon the oaks of Bashan. It calls out now both cedar and oak. This is real important as well. So this all goes back to the glory of Lebanon that we read in Isaiah 60, verse 13. So what the cedar, we've really kind of dug into, that is the building of the house. It's the fragrance of the house. Cedar also references the line of Judah, the kingdom of Judah in a way, because that was the kingly line. The cedar tree represents, Monarchy, it represents the kingly component. Karen opened up talking about a priestly warrior. Malki, Zadik, is king, priest. Malki, cedar, the house, the ruling part of the house. What's the Zadik piece? It's the oak. Now, in this passage in Isaiah, Isaiah ties the two together but in an ungodly way. But the two together in a godly way is you have cedar being the melki, and you have oak being the zadik. Why the zadik? Because oaks are old and strong. They're known for their strength, their steadfastness. The oak represents the word. The word is Everlasting. The word is never changing. The word is spoken and established. It's representing the priesthood who absorbs the word, that lives the word, that becomes the word. And the word, of course, is Yeshua. So we have the cedar and the oak that are the establishments of all of the body of Zion representing that. And then around them are all of these different variations of woods and ornaments in the tree form. Like we have all of the ornaments in the stone form. Layers. Individually, we have components of oak in our garden. We have components of cedar in our garden. We have components of pine in our garden, and myrtle, and box, and and flowers, and we have components of gemstones. We have components of sand. Then collectively, we have these things. And then as the body, we have these things. And then as the earth and mankind, we have these things. It's layers. Zion is within me. It's within us. It will come down as a city and be made manifest as a city that we physically can go to, but we're also physically there because Zion is physically within us, layer upon layer upon layer. And that's where all of these trees then come into play. We've also talked about how the vine is representative of Joseph in the house of Israel. The fig is also representative of Judah in the kingdom of Judah. The oil is representative of the priesthood and Levi. So there's all these different representative components that are not only literal, but they're also spiritual, and they're also sowed. It's mysterious. So something now to think about as you're meditating on trees and stones and all of these items that are true, literal, and also in the spirit, and also the sowed, is declare those things to those things father i want more ruling in my life of you as king and of my ruler spirit therefore i'm going to take care and bless the cedar tree in my garden father i want more of your steadfastness word that i would stand firm in the face of the chaos all around us i need to bless and speak to the oak in my garden Father, give me a heart for those around me that have rejected you, that are caught up in the sea, but they are blessed in that they will have access to the tree of life if they repent. Help me bless and have mercy upon the sand of the sea. He's giving us language and ways in the spirit to start praying more effectively and more impactfully. I mentioned, um, I think two weeks ago about how we released the destroyer and the destroyer was going to rearrange the things of, of the Middle East so that sovereign nations, and this is what we're talking about. Nations will be able to come to Zion. Nations need to get free from globalism so they can make independent choices to come to Messiah. Well, likewise, the cedars of Lebanon, and that whole earthing of Lebanon had to be free. And what happened? Big explosion in Beirut. Massive shift of what's happening in Lebanon. I wouldn't be surprised that they we're going to see a peace treaty in Lebanon soon. It's all being rearranged, and I'm not saying that that component is necessary um, because it's it's holy and holy. Mean covenant, mean covenantal holy nation with holy nation. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God is rearranging the chessboard so that the nations can come to Zion when he returns. Every nation is getting a chance to be free. Every offspring of Abraham is being given a choice to be set free. And we saw that in here in Isaiah 60, the nations of Keturah, the nations of Hagar, they will all be, have a chance to be set free. The glory of zion isaiah 60. let's pray we will save the second half of 60. that's probably a good place to stop heavenly father we thank you for your love we thank you for your kindness and mercy and grace Moses cried out and said, show me your glory. And your glory was made manifest before him. All of your goodness proceeded. Your name was proclaimed. Your grace and your mercy and your truth and your patience then followed. And Moses was hid in the cleft of the rock. Father, our cry is may your glory be made manifest through us. We too want to see you face to face. We want your glory, your son to be living in us. We want our face to be transformed. Not only do we want to see you face to face, we want our face to become your face. We want our ways to become your ways, our thoughts to become your thoughts. We want you to implant your thoughts through us, your ways to go through us. We bow down at your feet. We thank you for the encouragement that you will burst forth your glory through us. Give us patience. Give us vision. All the while we have kindness and mercy toward others. May we love them as you have loved us. And Father, we thank you that the spirit of Elisha is being stirred up in your people. And the spirit of Elijah is preparing the way for your manifest presence to go forth. And the spirit of Elijah will not turn back from Jezebel this time, but will utterly and completely destroy her. We yearn live in the city of Zion with gates and walls of praise and salvation and not gates and walls of hurt and pain. I bless everyone here and honor them knowing that they are on a journey to seek your face and we are working our, our way through all the the lies and the corruption that the enemy has placed, not only upon us and in us, but also in the earth and in the heavens and in the cosmos. We thank you that you are bigger than the enemy. And that when you say arise and shine for the light has come, but the enemy will be revealed for who he is. Is this the man to cause the nations to stumble. So, Father, we declare the smallness of Satan and his minions to our hearts now that we would have no fear of him, that we would only fear you. We thank you for your presence, your ever-presence. May we learn to set up camp where your presence is parked. May we learn to pick up camp when your presence is on the move. We thank you for the opportunity to gather and we bless Bride Ministries. We bless those that support bride ministries we bless all of the people that you are bringing into our camp may we receive them as cities of refuge give them food and shelter and warmth and comfort we pray all this in the mighty name of yeshua amen You've just listened to Todd Talks here at Bride Ministries International. Be sure to visit our website at bridemovement.com. You can support us by leaving a donation. You can also check out our other offerings, such as our church. You can check out our institute. We offer prayer resources and, of course, so much more.